Welcome to the Born and Raised Audio Experience. Presented by Onyx. Guys, welcome back to the Born and Raised Audio Experience. I am with a newfound friend, actually, that I met in Salt Lake that said, hey, we got to go hunting together at some point. And uh, we are out right now on a bear hunt. <laughs> so... <laughs> This is Derek Wolf, former NFL player. Just give me a little background on Derek Wolf. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Derek Wolf, um, I was drafted by the Denver Broncos in 2012, 36th overall. Um, I'm from Ohio originally, played my college ball at Cincinnati, and then played eight years in Denver. I won a Super Bowl while I was there. Um, then I played my last two years in Baltimore, and then I retired at Denver Bronco okay. in 2021. So, yeah. That's- made it 10 years. And I've just right after I grad, right after I retired, I just dove straight into the hunting realm. Like that was what I wanted to do. And you hunted all your younger life. Yeah, I I hunted. I've been hunting. Hunting has been part of my life since I was a small kid. You know, small. Like my stepdad was was a a hunter, and his dad was a hunter, and you know, I had uncles that hunted and stuff. And all my, I grew up in a hunting community. Right. You know, where everybody really hunted. You know, in Ohio, I grew up right on the border. Most bow hunters in the country are in Pennsylvania. Yes. I grew up right on the border of Pennsylvania. Gotcha. So I was actually born in a hospital in Pennsylvania. So When was the first time you came out west to hunt? I didn't get to hunt out west until um, until I retired. Now, is that a dream for, like, people? Oh, you wouldn't believe back it, Back east. What is, what is that like? You would not believe how many people back east, that's what they dream about. They really? watch they, people back east are watching your guys' videos and being like, "Man, that's I would love to do that." Like that looks like so much because they all they get is they get the tree stand hunt whitetails. Whitetails. There's yeah. no spot and stock in whitetails in Ohio. Like, right? There's not big enough tracks of land to do that on. Interesting. You know, it's it, you could do it at some on the privates, but like still, it's spot and stock and white. They don't answer a call or you know you could rattle them in sometimes, but for the most part, guys are hunting over a corn pile, and they're just sitting in the same tree stand every year hunting they'll hunt us the same deer for two or three years before they finally get a shot at it and then they hunt turkey their closest thing to like that western hunting experience is hunting turkeys where they for get calling to run and, and gun stuff them. like that yeah right? where they get to run and gun them and call them and gotcha and gotcha. stuff like that so me as a kid man watching videos of guys hunting elk i just thought that was like the coolest thing you could ever do i was like did you think it was obtainable then no Really, no, dude? I never got. I didn't get on an airplane until I was a freshman in college. Right, you're about so like coming out west. Same, same as me, probably. Yeah. So I mean, co- me. so coming out west just seemed. Yeah, yeah. Like it was so out of reach, you know. And and then when I got to the NFL, it was like, okay, September is elk season with a bow. You're, yeah, you know. And then even with rifle season is still in during it's the still, season. Still, you're playing every single, all the time. What am I going to do? Go on my day off and go hike 10 miles right. and then pack an elk out? Like, on on no. day of rest? Yeah, on day of rest when I'm like barely able to walk anyways, you know? So, no. Let's back it up, all right? So, let's go. Let's start out like college, right? Where'd we, just out of high school, how did we, what, how did we transition from here's the deal, I want to play football? So, that, that started when I was Seven. Seven. When I was seven years old, I started playing, and I was like, that's what I want to do. 
This is what I want to do. You knew right then. Yeah. I was like, I want to play football. Did you have, because I mean, I'm looking at you. If you guys haven't, you guys need to go online, go Google Derek Wolf. He's a giant man. Six foot, <laughs> six, seven? Six, six. Six, six. six. Uh, muscles out the wazoo. Anyway, sitting in front of me, he's, he's a giant person. Let me tell you that right now. <laughs> and it's just like, how did did you have that at seven years old? Did you uh, yeah, have that body that you knew you could make it that way? I just was bigger and faster and stronger. And, you were. Um, I just was athletic. I had that like athletic bug, and I loved to compete. So going all the way through middle school, high school, were you the top guy in your class at at sports? Usually I was like right there, yeah. you know, there's yeah. in Ohio, there's so much good talent that like your, com your competition was always high. You know, there's a lot of guys that were, there's athletes that, that were really good athletes that I was competing with. And that's what like, that really elevated my play. You know, I was always competing. Gotcha. It was never like easy. You know, I was always competing because it just was good competition. Gotcha. So you get out through, so you're going through high school and everything. And then what's the next step there? So I got, I committed <clears throat> as a junior in high school to Cincinnati, to the University of Cincinnati. Okay. So I had multiple offers. I started getting offers as a sophomore in high school because I was just big. And as then a I would, sophomore. Yeah. And then I was like, uh, my head coach in high school, like would enter me into these camps and I would go and just show off my, showcase my ability. And they'd be like, whoa, you know, because a sophomore, I was like 250 pounds, 260 pounds, and I was running like a 4'6", 40, <laughs> you know? And they're like, whoa. That's impressive. Yeah, they're like, whoa, this guy can play, you know? Yeah. Was there a bunch of, was there a, was there a turning point of ever, like a aha moment, like of a coach that ever uh, coached you in high school or, or someone that gave you the best advice that actually you used that, that furthered your career huge? That happened in different levels, right? So like when I was in Little League, um, I, I had a rough childhood. I wasn't getting any real love or affection sure. at home, you yeah. know, any kind of attention, good positive attention. So the only positive attention I would get was from my coaches. So that was like, that's what drew me to the game the most was that and the, honestly, the violence of the game. I really? loved the violence and the ability. The legal, the legal violence. The legal violence. Like, cause um, it just was, you could like unleash it on somebody and then yeah. somebody could unleash it on you and you had to like get up from that and like, you know, put your pride aside and step in and bounce back from it. Yeah. But I had coaches that were like, you know, my, I had to, I moved to a lot of different schools and then, but every school I went to, the coaches on the, the football teams there would always be like, hey, we want you to come play. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, I've been waiting for you to, to – I've been looking for you, you know, so let's go. Let's do this. You know, and then when I got to high school, my um, my head coach in high school was like, hey, I know things are tough now. He's like, but all these people around here, they're going to be asking you for a loan one day. <laughs> he said that to me, and I was like stuck in my head, always yeah, stuck yeah. in my head. Um, and then when I got to college, I had um, Brian Kelly, who ended up going to Notre Dame after my second season there. So I was a sophomore. We were the number three team in the country, playing against Tebow and the Gators in the Sugar Bowl. You know, and uh, they left. Those coaches all left and went to Notre Dame and just kind of left us. And a new coach came in, and that defensive line coach that was on that staff, his name was Steve Stripling. He told me, he said, listen, you're good, but you could be great. Hmm. He was like, you don't – he's like, you, there's all kinds of times where you're not – you're taking plays off. And I didn't think I ever took plays off, but he pulled the film and showed me. Like, look, you could do this, you could do that. Like – there's always more you can do. Sure. And I was like, oh, he's right, you know? So yeah. I just took the coaching and just played harder. Just kept playing harder and played through the whistle and stuff like that. And and then he taught me technique, like some more technique stuff, and I just used it. Like um, being coachable is important oh, in this game. You know, like you – a coach never had to tell me more than once or twice, and I'd figure it out, you know? Absolutely. 
So we get through college. We're into college now, right? Yeah. And we're getting looked at hard professionally. I almost left as a junior. So you went. So you were a sophomore. I was a sophomore after my. So I was starting as a sophomore. I started all every game, and I was playing good. I was like all Big East and okay, all that stuff. And we'd won the Big East, and like I said, we were a national televised team a lot, and so I was getting attention. And then my junior year with a new coach, I didn't have as great of a season because it was just like a whole new program, whole new program, and my body was trying to adjust to it, and like it was just different things. And I was like, man, I want to get out of here. Like I was tired of being broke. You know, I had just nothing, you know, so I was like... Because you're not getting paid, obviously. No. It's, and you're paying to go... Or no, you had a full ride, obviously. I had a full so, ride, but... So still, but just living, cost of living is there. Yeah, it was just stressful. Everything was just so stressful all the time because I was always like, you know, trying to make sure I was eating right. And, yeah, broke. You know, broke from spending money, spending the money that I did have on food. Yeah. You can't have a job. There's no time to work. No. You know, your job is football. So I decided... My head coach, Butch Jones... He decided, he told me, he said, listen, he's like, you could get drafted, but you're going to cost yourself a couple million bucks. He's like, stay for another year. And that was the best decision I made. Really? Stayed another year, and I just died. How hard was that, though, seeing that money dangling in front of you? Like, okay, I could just go well, get Well, you know you're right going to make, like, at least you're like, gonna make a money. couple hundred thousand no matter what. You right. Know? And, that, to the, and at that time, that seemed like so much money. So much money. And then I, <laughs> I decided to stay, and it was the best decision I ever made. I ended up, um, I was an All-American Biggie's defensive player of the year, Gee. dominated, balled out, and then um, went to the combine and did really well at the combine and everything, and ended up getting drafted in the second round, the beginning of the second round. Because um, you said you thought you were going to go first round. I did think you I was going to go in the first round. I should have went in the first round. I did think I was going to go in the first round. What does it, that mean as far as – is that a big financial thing, first round versus second round? Or yeah, what does it that was mean? A, I mean, it's a difference of like probably 5 or $6 million. Is it that much? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it, it, it was a big deal. And another year on your contract, you know. But I was I was kind of grateful for it because it, I got to my second contract faster. So instead of oh, signing, gotcha. you know, I, I was able to get to that second contract a little faster, which worked out better for me. So how does that work? Is it on a yearly basis or is it just contractual? Like, okay, we're going to sign you for three years, two years, one year. Yeah, so a rookie deal, on your rookie deal, it's usually like you're making league minimum for the first year. It's one year. Yeah, that first year. And then this you're you, if you're like in the first three rounds, they'll keep you around for three or four for like three years. Oh, they will. And if you don't develop, then they'll just get rid of you. Yeah. You know, usually two years is like the minimum because two and a half years is the average lifespan of an NFL player. Two and a half years. Yeah. That's the average. And you were in 10 years? Yeah. That's crazy. 10 years. I started every season. I was the number one run stopper in the league for nine of those 10 years. That's impressive. So you get, so, okay, so we get drafted. We're all good to go there. We show up, right, at the facility. Are we a little bit shell-shocked as far as, like, all right, I've got, we have money right now? We got, we've got first money? Is that what? Yeah, that's the first money I had. Like, I had $7 when I got drafted. Seven bucks. Seven bucks, dude. Cash. <laughs> I didn't even have a bank account. No accounts, no nothing. No debit card, none of that, no credit, you know. Dude, that's got to be such a shell shock to, like, go just from wanting this dream all the time to, all right, now you're living that dream, right? Yeah. And then what's the mind frame there? Well, my signing bonus was $2.2 million, so I, I got to give half to Uncle Sam. Oh, right off the bat. Right off the bat. They just, you don't even see it. Yeah. They just take half. So I had a million bucks. And, and it I just thought, sits in your bank and you're looking at that going. I was like, holy shit, I'm rich. Did we did we run out and do a little bit of partying? We did a little partying, <laughs> bought some stupid shit. I bought, I bought a bunch of Louis Vuitton luggage like an idiot. Oh, that's my favorite story. So dumb. Favorite story. <laughs> so d- like, what am I doing? Buying? I just yeah, trying to be somebody I wasn't. You oh. know what I mean? Like trying to fit in. 
Did you buy the best camo out there? That oh, you can, dude, are you that kidding you can me? Find? Everything sick of this. this and... <laughs> <laughs> Went and bought a brand new bow. Oh, yeah. I just bought all kinds of cool stuff, you know, and then later i realized i was like man none of this stuff is really making me happy right <laughs> right know? right right and then i realized that's when i realized that like money can't buy you any kind of happiness like right. it could buy like that short-term um like feeling of like i've made it you know i have this right. i have that but like material things just i've learned are not gonna do it for you it's tough man yeah that is you gotta, you gotta, and, but I think you're going through that path of just like figuring stuff out and like you get jumped into this whole new life. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's a, uh, it's gotta be just crazy. Well, you go, you get, t you go from like all these broke kids and I lived with some really cool guys in college too. Like the Kelsey brothers, if anybody knows who they are, you know, Travis Kelsey yeah. with the Kansas city chiefs, he's got two super bowl rings. And then Jason Kelsey is a center for the Eagles and he's got a super bowl ring. So in our house, we have four super bowl rings. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and we were screw ups, you know, just total idiots, you know, having fun, like just having fun. And, but we worked hard. You I know? was going to say, did they have the same mindset as you did? Oh, yeah. Like, they oh, yeah. Just... We all we always competed in everything we did. Like there you could come downstairs and uh, Travis and I would be downstairs drinking Keystone Light or Natty Lights doing footwork drills and stuff like, you know, like, yeah, just doing goofy stuff. Or, just things to get better. And like even talking about pass rush moves and stuff with Jason, like we'd be just working on them in the house, just goofing around, you know. All that helps. Um, wrestling so. with each other and still, you know, just having, yeah. you know, that stuff like all adds up in the end. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Tr Travis is going to go down as the best tight end ever play the game and they'll both be in the Hall of Fame. You know, I don't know if I'll make it. I'll, you know, I hope, but. You will. You when know, does that happen? When are, we, when are we going to that? Uh, who knows? It'll be years from now. I'll probably be gone, dead and gone. No. When that, you know? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? So, okay. So we get through, we got our first year done in the NFL. Um, Which that was a journey in itself because you got to think, like, I was. Like I was only, I even as a true freshman, I was still playing when I got to Cincinnati. I was still, I didn't redshirt. I played right away. So that's what I, my next question. Like you play, you're playing in the NFL the first year you get drafted. I started the. Is that pretty I, rare? I was a third stringer and I worked. I earned. I took two people's two two veterans. I took their jobs when wow. I got there. Like I through camp, I started. I started on the third team. And then you're starting. And then I start. I worked my way up to as a starter for the first game. We were playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I went out there and got my first sack on Big Ben. And you. And I howled. And I then just jumped wolf, up and started howling, and that's wolf. when the wolf howl started. That was when it was created, huh? Yeah, and it was just like I had a big game, man. I had a, I batted a pass, had a couple tackles for loss, caused a fumble. Like it was, yeah. I had a I balled out. You know, I went crazy, and then I had a really good rookie season. I had, you know, as an interior defense lineman, have six sacks. That's it's a really good season. Really like good. Three to six sacks is like what you're, what you're gonna get. You that's know? what you're it's just tough in for. there. Yeah, if you're like a Aaron Donald, you might get you know a lot more. But you know when it comes to rookie the, right off rookie right off the bat, man, I was balling. And then you know come to the second year, you got to think I got Peyton Manning in the locker room. Like fucking, you know, was, that's just crazy. It was unreal, man. Yeah, it was so. You know, These having, are all guys that you've looked up to and like you've idolized, and now you're with them and not only with them you're like one of top of them yeah you're what you're like you know champ bailey you know all these like crazy perennial hall of famers that right. are you know elvis doomerville and demarius thomas and vaughn miller and like what was it like what was it, so was your mind frame when you were going up against all those guys that were just like top and top of the line like is it just like the respect issue what is it like like at that at that level is it like there is there's got to be some pecking order 
when you're going against a guy like these offense, like Joe Thomas, right? Yeah. You probably know who Joe Thomas oh, is. Oh, yeah. One of the greatest to ever do it. Probably the best offensive lineman I've ever played against. But when I, like, that was the, when I lined up against him, like, to me, I have to beat him. Like, I'm just thinking, I, I don't care who you are. Everything I'm going to beat you. But you couldn't beat him. He, he was, was just good. one of those guys I could not beat. I could not get around him. Couldn't get off the block. Like, it was. He was that good. He was that good. And it would look, it was like he wasn't even trying. And that's really? when, that was like the. That would just like killed you because you're like he's not even trying. He doesn't like, even have to try, but he's this is this is what this looks like. It just is like he just would step back and like latch on to you, you know. And you but could. when you're around guys, but Vaughn and I became close right away because we played right next to each other, so we learned how to like feed off of each other. So gotcha. like he would understand like I'd be like, look, I'm gonna work this so you can wrap around me, and or I'm gonna pull him down here so you can come down and come down this way, and then I'll wrap around you and cover you. You know, so we, sure. you know, in eight years between Vaughn and I, we had 136 sacks in the regular season. That's impressive. You know, That's so. amazing. That's got to feel so crazy. Yeah, just, I mean, we just harassed quarterbacks and we were a nightmare for offensive linemen because we didn't even have to communicate. We just could look at each other. You knew. Knowing what the offensive line is showing us in the backfield set, I'd look at him, he'd be like, yep. And that's, that means I'm going to I'm gonna bust through this B-gap and I'm going to pull the guard with me and I'm going to pick the tackle and you're going to come scot-free. Scott and one of us is going to get him, you know. Jeez. So tell me as far as like, so you're going through uh, second year, third year. What does that look like? And then you just, you know, you already said that average is two and a half years, right? Well, it, We're it, going past average by a long shot. How does that work on your body? Oh, man. Um, you know, first of all, that second season in the, in the preseason we were playing against Seattle – and uh, I'm playing down the line, and a, a tight end comes across the line of scrimmage from the other side and tries to cut my legs out, and I, like, sprawled to play the cut block. Mm -hmm. And when I, when I was going to look up, something hit me in the top of the head. The fullback came through to clear, and he hit me right in the top of the head. And that paralyzed me for three hours. So we're talking packed off the field? Packed off the field in an ambulance on a stretcher. Scary. Scary. I was awake for the whole thing too. I just couldn't move my mouth. I couldn't move. You my couldn't toes. even talk. Couldn't even talk. Yeah, I was having a hard time breathing. Like I was like, I might die. Wow. Um, but then everything kind of started to turn back on, and like my functioning started to come back, and I was able to um, get on that plane that night with the team wearing a neck brace, wearing a seat collar. Yeah, and I played two weeks later. Jeez. Um, and then I had a seizure twelve weeks after that, and that almost killed me. And then. You know, so it was almost done before it started, really. You yeah. know, and then the next season, I came back and played all 16 games. I just bounced back. I was doing a lot. I started doing a lot of yoga and like reconnecting my mind and body. And I had to, I had to heal that bruise that was blocking, sure. blocking fresh blood to get in my brain. So that was tough. And then, you know, I had like these neck, like my neck was just always hurt, like always something going on in there, stingers all the time, and how, how couldn't often? hardly open a door handle. Whoa. That's yeah. yeah, that's a little scary. How often like so I mean run us through like the the gambit of like training and football and everything. Are you guys like is is football players like getting uh, cat scans all the time like checking stuff? I mean is that does that on a regular basis not your like, brain. Not your brain, but brain I mean like all. your body and everything. Yeah, all you're always your... getting MRIs. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, MRI not cat scan, all MRIs. The time. You're, you are. Every time you have something happen it's like straight to the MRI. And make sure is that torn. on site? Is that on? Is that no? But you, you have, to the some places have them on site, but most facilities have like a hospital right down the road. And really, you just go to the hospital real quick and they 
and they, you, they pull you right in throw you right through the machine and yeah they want to know everything and and then all your trainers are they they're doctors as well I'm yeah sure you have like that. orthopedic surgeons and then you have neurosurgeons and then you have your um team trainers and your you know all of doctors that. all over them and there's like your your general doctor you know it's because i mean you're a machine like you you oh, yeah. have to be at top top performance so they have to keep you there yeah at training camp and training camp when you show up they put you through like a your physical is like you're getting EEGs, EKGs, like all those, all these different tests. You're seeing a dentist, like all this shit going on. You know? Really? Oh yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and all in like that big, you know, and then the facility of the trainers are taking care of all the guys. Yeah, crazy. So okay, so you go through. We're 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 well into our football career, right? Yeah, I'm going into year four. Let's go year four. Yeah, so year four is uh, we get a new coaching staff comes in. Because we had just lost that Super Bowl, then we went to the playoffs, lost again, and we were like, "Look, we got to make a change." So they bring Gary Kubiak in, and Wade Phillips is our defense coordinator. And here's where another influential coach comes into my life, Bill Kolar, who was like, "You're playing good football, but you could be way better." He's like, "Yeah, you know," he just like took it to another level, and we ended up. I ended up having one of my best seasons that year. We won a Super Bowl. I got a big contract. And then he was my coach for the next six years. And he just was like, we've become really close friends. He played 10 years in the NFL. He was a nose guard back in the 70s and 80s. Um, he grew up in Youngstown, so just north of me, where I grew up in Ohio. He played for Montana State. Like he was. What is that coach-player uh, relationship like? Like behind the scenes that people don't get to see, right? Like what is that like? Are you going to his house? Are you... Oh yeah, you're spending a lot. You're, you're going to dinners with them, like you're as a group, as a unit. Like you're going to dinners. You're you, you know, are yeah. You're spending a lot of time, and you're with them every single day. And he was like, "You might hate me now, but you're gonna love me when you're done." And he was right, man. Like I hated him some days, really, because he just would be on my ass, you know, just yelling and screaming. And on days you just did not feel like doing it. He pushed you, but he would push you and push you and push you and push you. And if you don't break, if you don't break, then you're just gonna get better, get better. you know. And that's what it, that's how it was. And he, it's funny because I ended up getting introduced to Matt Singer, Jason Matt Singer, through him because his dad, oh, no kidding. his Jason's dad and Bill are like best friends. Really? So that's how I ended up even getting to know Jason. Gotcha. You know, now we're going to go elk hunting together. That's awesome. You know, so it's, it's really cool. It's cool how small world stuff, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. What is it like? I can imagine. I, I, well, I know I can't imagine what it's like to win a Super Bowl, obviously, but what is it like to lose? To what lose, is it like to, those to big lose. games? Okay, that when you when you just told me like we lost the Super Bowl, dude. What is that? <clears throat> what is that like? Well, that, like I said, I had that was the year I had that seizure. Gotcha. So I wasn't even playing. So me, Von Miller. So three of our best defensive players are on the sidelines, and that could be even tougher. And that's yes, that made it really bad. And it was a beat down by Seattle. Yeah. So it was like we just sat there and watched them get beat down, and we were we were like, man, we might never get to play in a Super Bowl again. Like. We're sitting there looking at Champ Bailey, who's in year like fifteen. He's playing his first Super Bowl. Oh, and we're man. like, man, like you, these opportunities just don't come along often. So right, right. That year we won the Super Bowl. Like we took as a defense, which to me was one of the greatest defenses of all time. Um, I think anybody will agree. I think that. that's an, I think that's almost yeah. said by anybody. Yeah, that 2015 defense is just one of the best to ever do it. And we had that attitude where, okay, if the offense isn't going to get it going, then we're going to win. Yeah, we're going to win the game. And you did. And we did. We won a lot of games. Yeah. So that was, I mean, it was a wake-up call where we were like, let's, we got to lock in, man, and take this serious. 
when you do lose a big game, do you do you easily like think about it? Do you go watch tape again, see what you did wrong, or do you just shake it off and just like I gotta yeah. just move on? Well, the thing about the thing about football and film and stuff is it's never as good or never as bad as you think it is. Yeah. So it's you go and watch the film and you learn from it and then you move on because you have to have a short memory. You have because to because right? guess what? There's another game next week. Yeah. You know, when you lose a Super Bowl, it's, you know, or a playoff game, it really sucks because you have a whole off season to yeah. think about. But you just use that as a motivator through training and while you're training. That's the other thing people don't realize. It's not like the season's over and we just stop. I would take two weeks off and then I'd start training again. That's what another question I was going to say. Like, so after a Super Bowl, is there just like a grace period, or is it like, hey, you you're done for a few months. Go ahead and you know whoop it up, do whatever you want, or you take the your Super time. Super Bowls in February. You're back in OTAs in April. Man. So you get a month off. And you were telling me, like, training camp, like, you get to see your wife for, what, two you, hours You're a day? lucky if you get to see her for 30 minutes a day. 30 minutes a day. Yeah. You're so lucky. you go in in the morning, and you're in meetings, training. All the way until 9 o'clock, and then you have a 10 o'clock curfew. So you get to run home real quick and then run right back to the curfew. Oh, you're curfewed. Yeah, you're sleeping in a hotel, yeah. And you can't go, they check on you. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Tight ship. Real tight. They treat us like kids. Yeah. <laughs> like a bunch of bad kids. Like a bunch of bad kids that just are going to get out of line any chance they get. Any which, chance it, that... Which could happen. Which, you, yeah, you which give, usually happens. You give an inch, like, guys will take a mile. You know, that's how it was. So, okay. So, we're through that. Let's, uh, we're, we're towards, uh, let's see, season six or seven here. Yeah. So, season seven... I had to have a neck surgery okay. because the, all the, those neck, those old neck injuries were starting to come back. And like I said, I was atrophying. My right arm was completely like, I was only getting like 30% of mobility or like, yeah, mobility gotcha. and I couldn't feel anything. And, oh boy. um, every time I got like hit in the head, it was like a stinger and like, okay. So they talk about a lot of concussion stuff. We hear about that on the news all the time with uh, pro athletes and stuff like that. Is it as bad as people say? Like, what? Oh, you, yeah, what, what's your take on it? I mean, think about this, man. Every time I put my hand in the dirt, I'm hitting somebody with my head. Yeah. Like that often, there's, it's so, you can't be in that position and rise up without hitting somebody in the head with your head. Yeah. Like your hands, your hands are going to their chest, but like they're coming at the same time. So it's like something's going to hit first. And if you're both leaning forward, what do you think is going to hit first? So you're headbutting every play over and over and over. And uh, it just like it, what happened was my um, it's called a foramenotomy is a, the what I had, but the foramen where the nerves come out of your spinal cord mm -hmm. and down your arms and stuff. Those tight little they they build up um, calcium in there and it closes in on those nerves and it shuts the nerves down. So you have to go in there and have them cleared out. Gotcha. Um, and Could you tell it helped right off the bat? Oh, right away. As soon as I came out of the surgery, I was like, really? oh man, I didn't realize I couldn't feel it. Like it was this bad. Really? I couldn't feel, I couldn't real. I didn't realize how bad it actually was because I was ignoring it. Yeah. Um, but it was bad. And they did that, they did that year six or year seven. And then I played all next season. I came back, played all 18 games, all uh, 16 whole, games. The whole season. And then, um, but then our coach gets fired again. And so this is, I'm on my third coach in the NFL. And then uh, now I'm on my fourth coach. This other guy comes in, and uh, this is 2019, and I'm going into a con – my contract's up. So I'm going to – I'm, like, ready to sign a new contract. Yeah. So I'm like, i got to ball out. Like, i got to play great football. And I was having the best statistical career season of my career. Like, I was – I had seven sacks in 12 games. Gee. I was um, – I was rolling. Yeah. I, I was getting uh, sack fumbles on quarterbacks and all this stuff. And um, 
then it was like a fourth and inches play and I'm going to get off the ground. Half the offensive line jumped offside. So it was a dead play and I'm going to get off the ground. And as I'm pushing all my weight on my left arm, my nose guard, like his, his shin hits me right in my elbow oh. and it complete takes the elbow and dislocates it all the way to the other side like all the way to the ground oh like pow and i just rolled over and i was trying to get it to go back in and i could just hear the bones grinding against each other so i thought my arm was broke on a dead play on something that should yeah yeah so um that sucked and i knew that was gonna like really hurt my you know i was you're on pace to just i was about to be 30 years old so it was like you know, this is the last chance I get to get a big payday. Like, I got you. You know, another big payday. Yeah. And I was thinking, you know, I'm looking at like another $40, $50 million contract. Absolutely. Because at that point, it was like, you know, it was on. Yeah. You know, I had already, you know, turned down some deals that were pretty good. You know, some offers that were decent, you know, but nothing where I thought I was going to. Because knew, you thought it was going to be the well, big Well, I knew one. I was going to have like 10 to 15 sacks that year. Yeah. And. That so you gonna, wanted to pad your stats in order to actually uh, up your value. To capitalize on my last Absolutely. chance to get a big deal. You know? Absolutely. And then COVID comes. And oh. I did all this. Re- I, did, I didn't do surgery. I just did stem cells in the elbow mm-hmm. to recover faster so I could get to the doctors on other teams quicker so they could see me. But then COVID happened and the doc- they weren't bringing anybody in to see doctors because of that. So no team would touch me because they didn't know if I was healthy or not. So I finally my wife was like, you should post a video of you just training. And I was like, all right. So I posted a video of me incline pressing 160 pound dumbbells for sets of 10. Just like (laughs) the next day, Houston Texans called day after that Baltimore Ravens called and Baltimore had Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram and all those guys. Oh yeah. They were balling out. And I was like, that's a good team to to slide on because Denver made it clear. They weren't interested. Gotcha. Like I showed so much loyalty, loyalty to them. And then, John Elway didn't even show up for the meeting with my agent at the combine. He just didn't even show. That's ridiculous. And he was like, yeah, we're not bringing him back. It's like, wow. All right. Yeah. But well, that's, that's the business, man. Is, you can't man. be mad about it. Like no, it is what it, it is. is. Like they, I, that was the, like, I had been hurt two or three times and they were like, yeah, man, like we're just not going to take that risk anymore. Yeah. You know? uh, Cause we, and they, they knew I was healthy cause they, I was doing all my rehab there. With oh, them. I got you. So yeah. they knew exactly what was going on. And their strength coach was my trainer already. So I was already doing, you know, they right. knew I was good. Yeah. They just decided they were going to move in a different direction, yeah. which was weird, but whatever. Super weird. They were, they were actually, what they wanted to do was they wanted to get rid of all the guys from the Super Bowl yeah. because we wouldn't like, we knew how to do it. So like every time a coach came in there, we would try to like change the way he did things, you know? Gotcha. And gotcha. That wasn't like working out. You know, we were losing a lot of games, but... It is what it is. So, so I go to Baltimore. Go into Baltimore. Uh, we got the big contract. Instead right? of playing for twelve to fifteen million a year, I'm playing for three million a year. Okay. On that first year, and that was a prove it deal. So you're proving yourself. That's your goal. Yeah, boom! I come out ball out, number one run stopper in the league again, and then they give me, um, they offer me a deal that is going to pay me the next season. It's going to pay me like a close to ten million. So that's what I'm talking about. I was like, all right, let's do it, and. I signed the deal and we're in training camp and I'm having one of my best, I'm honestly having the best camp I've had in, even before 2019, I was, I was having the best camp since probably 2014, 15. Crushing. Like I was just crushing, feeling good, moving good. Sure. 
and we're down in um because of the covid stuff like we couldn't get the body work that we needed so i was like very on top of my body work like and when i say body work i mean like manipulating my body and keeping it in alignment so that like when i do get in a compromised situation nothing just like breaks or snaps or pulls you're talking like yoga stuff like that yeah just stretching like the kind of stretch manipulative stretching that i would do with like my body gotcha he wasn't allowed to be around and then we went to we traveled for training camp to um against the panthers and it was really hot and really like so we were really dehydrated like so the day before that the first, the second day of camp, of that of that practice, and when you're practicing against another team, it's like a game all day long. Oh, really? For three hours, you're just like going as hard as you can against these guys. To all get, day. Because yeah, because it's like he's another team on another team, you know. For, and they're running those other guy. plays. The practice team is you're playing. You're against. going live. You're playing live football, but not tackling to the ground. So gotcha. You're just, so up front, it's the same. Okay. Like in the trenches, we're banging. You know. Absolutely. And that first day of practice, like probably 15 of us had full body cramps full body full cramps. body cramps like completely locked up like Can't get stick you in an ice bath and stick an iv in both arms and try to bring you back and then you're back out there the next day Jeez. well the next that like my hips like were feeling weird and i went to i went to work a pass rush move on this on the guard worked inside the center came back and hit me in the low back like with his helmet like speared me in the low back and he like replanted and high load me and it just like twisted my hips real bad and it ripped the labrum off the bone so the hip labrum which is like the acl of your hip yeah or the uh, mcl of your hip it's a stabilizer it just completely ripped so i was just dragging my leg around i was like something don't feel right my low back was hurting so bad like i wasn't so i couldn't even i couldn't stand up for more than like 20 minutes at a time jeez like it was like so painful and so and i was having like this weird numbness down my leg and then that turned into this whole thing and um, then the vaccine issue, I wouldn't oh, yeah. get vaccinated. You get vaccinated and they just kind of. And they just like, it just, I don't know, kind of, it, I just ended up saying, you know what? Like after that season, I, I went and got two double hip surgery because I came back from that injury and was ready to go. And I had like two more weeks left of my program that I was doing. And the strength coach in Baltimore was like, no, you need to be doing our program. The second day we ripped the labrum off the other bone. Oh gosh. The second day of his program oh and i was like this is a sign like i need to and i went seen the, the number one hip doctor and he's like dude you gotta call it man like you're gonna you're not gonna be able to walk you're gonna hurt yourself you're bad, gonna be in a wheelchair bad, bad. Like, was there part of you the competitive side of you was like no i'm gonna get through this i'm gonna oh, go yeah. ahead on her oh yeah was your wife a big advocate of which way she was supportive of whatever i wanted to do but she was very adamant that like she's like look we love to ski. We love to snowboard. Like I loved, I want to hunt. I want to be able to hike through the mountains. Yeah. I love to, I couldn't bend over and pick my daughter up, man. No, like, dude. It was like, I was just like so miserable. And I was like, you know what? It's time to be done. So the doctor was like, he should not be playing and you should not be playing anymore. Like you're going to, you're going to destroy yourself. 10 years is long enough, bud. Yeah. And I said, all right, fine. And I called it. And the Broncos actually reached out and were like, hey, we want to retire you a Bronco. And I was like, oh, let's go. Sweet. So they did it right, man. And um, That's cool that they did that. I mean, as far as like, they didn't have to, obviously, but that, that, I bet that meant a lot to you. It did. It yeah. did. It was like, I didn't get to go out because to me, I thought I was going to go out like with some, with some pride and glory, you know, really. Right. I didn't think I was going to go. I, I did get to go out on my own terms, but not the way I wanted to sure. on my own terms sure. as far as like you know, maybe winning a Super Bowl or something like that. Like that was kind of how I wanted to go out, winning another Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, but 
for the most part, man, I, I'm very, I, there, I don't have any regrets there with that, with the way that everything went down, but you know, everything happens for a reason. You know, maybe if I would have had, maybe if I would have got that other $50 million contract, it would have been too much money and it would have went to my head and I would have screwed up somehow. Or, Never know. You yeah. know, maybe I wouldn't be grinding so hard now to like make it in other, um, other industries, you know, like, cause I'm really trying to make it in this hunting industry. Like, I'm So that's to- what I'm trying to like turn all this thing to is like, so we get out of the NFL, right. And we're, what, what's, what, what are we feeling at that point? Like, like, what do I do next? Right. I mean, obviously you've got finances, you're good to go as far as in, in most realms of that I'm assuming, but as far as like, you still have hopes and dreams, you still have stuff that you want to accomplish in life. Like, well, where does it turn to when you're 32, hunting? 33 years old? Yeah. That's young. I got, Oh yeah. You got, got a lot of life. You know, hopefully another 60 years to go. Seems, uh, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't 95, know if I will either. We'll, we'll I'm just saying like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Oh, totally. On the, on the high, you know, best case scenario, I got another 60 years. Oh, absolutely. You know? So I was like, what am I going to do? Right. Sure. But I knew what I already knew. Yeah. I wanted to, I, I knew two years before I retired what I wanted to do. Really? I wanted to hunt. Yeah. I wanted to find a way to make hunting pay for itself at least. Interesting. Right. I was like, how do I make it pay for itself? Cause I started, look, I wasn't building points or anything. Cause I didn't understand that whole mm-hmm. thing. So sure. I was like, man, these tags are expensive. They are. I was like, how do I pay for this stuff? <laughs> I was like, and then I filmed a, I filmed a whitetail hunt when I was in Baltimore one time. I just filmed myself shooting a whitetail. Just self filmed like, it. Yeah. Just self filmed okay. it. Okay. And I was like, man, this was kind of cool. I was like, it's kind of cool to go back and watch it. Right. And then I was like, I was like, I don't know. So what, what should I do? And then I started reaching out to guys and they were like, yeah, man, I think you could, you could definitely make it in this space, man. Like you got the drive and you got the, the attitude. Like, I don't really want anything given to me, you know? Yeah. I come out and you see how I am. Like I'll, I'll come out here and grind for it. Like, oh dude. Yeah. Whatever we no. got to do, we're going to do it. You know, it's always that way. I think with everybody, it's not, and it's not even like a pro athlete or it's, it's Tom, Dick or Harry off the, off the road that wants to go hunting with you. And it's always that, Okay, how's this gonna go? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's Are like, they gonna be okay just yeah. sleeping outside under on a cot? Oh, that worried know, or... me. I'm just like, guys, I'm pretty primitive here. I don't really have a, you know, big wall tent. It doesn't rain, so it's like, what are we, you know? And well, so, when you said that, I was like, dude, I don't. Yeah, that's not gonna bother me at yeah, all, man. You guys like, were cool. That's what it. I'm looking for when I come out to do this yeah. kind of thing. You know, yeah. like when I'm hunting, I'm I'm not looking for a lodge or. You know, like even like when I go down to New Mexico and do landowner tags. Yeah. You know, I'm, they're like, well, do you want to stay in the lodge? And I'm like, no, I want to stay in a wall tent out here with the, I want to sleep with the elk. You know, I want to hear a bugle at night. I want to hear bugles in the night. I want yeah. them to keep me up at night. So it's like, absolutely. That's what I want. You know, I want that experience. You know, I want to be in camp and think maybe a bear comes in, you know? Right. Maybe. Right. Yeah. I got, I got to keep that MKC hatchet close. That's, <laughs> that's viral content. That's viral content is what we call it. Get the camera rolling, that's Levi. Right. Let's go. That's right. I love it. No. That was that was like you know, and that's that was why you know I went to the I started the Wolf Untamed yeah. YouTube channel. Yeah, go let me get us in on that. Yeah, so I started the Wolf Untamed YouTube channel, and I was like, let me just show what I'm doing. You yeah. know, like I'm hunting. You know, I I still do some snowboarding and stuff here. Like we'll do like helicopter drop-ins and stuff. Oh, really? Like that. Yeah, because my wife loves it. Like that's she's really rough. into it. So we do stuff like that. You know, and um, uh, you know, the Instagram thing where I'm just like, you know. I always wanted to do a podcast too. Like that was something I wanted to do a long time ago where I was like, man, I, I just, I feel like I'm good at this. Yeah. Like as far as having a conversation and keeping a conversation going. Absolutely. So I felt like maybe it's something I should do. So I started the podcast, the Wolf Untamed podcast, the Wolf Untamed YouTube channel. And now my goal is just to collab with cool people that like, 
you know, makes sense for me to be whoever it is or I'm around with the, with the podcast, I interview everyone from like a, a woman named Allison Levine who did all, she did the adventurers grand slam. So that's like all seven so summits, you're saying, all, all seven, seven summits. summits. And she skied cross country skied to both, uh, both North, of the poles, North, North and, and South, South pole. pole. That's crazy. 600 miles, I think was the South <sighs> pole, wow. like, which wow. is insane. Yeah. You know, yeah. so she, and, and then you got guys like Mike Glover, you know, yeah. that guy's a badass, Good awesome dude. guy, you know, guys like Tim Montana, who's a country music singer, uh, people that are like really just like thriving in life yeah. and who have had to face adversity and like, you know, it's kind of worked out for them. Cause everybody, that, anything that's. And you know how it is. Like, look at where you guys are at now. Like, you, it's funny what you always say. You're always like, I don't even, like, it shocks me that, like, somebody like you would even come up to me and, yeah, you know, want yeah. to come hunt No, it me. does. Yeah. I'm like, dude, you you inspired me to do this. Yeah. Like, watching, vid- like, you can, you are, you are inspiring a whole other generation of people that are, that want to do this kind of thing because you keep it real. You show how difficult it is and you show how, like, raw it is and it's still fun, you know? That it's not about, like, you don't always get a kill. Yeah. You know, that's not what it's about. It's about being out there with the guys and having fun. And and, and the big thing that I try to portray is, you know, anybody can. Anybody can. Anybody can. Anybody. That's the other thing I love about this is anybody. people people can, it's hard to relate to a guy like me that's, one, yeah. like, I, when I talk about winning a Super Bowl. Yeah. But when I tell you about the first time I put my hands on a bull elk. Yeah. And it brought tears to my eyes. Everyone can relate to that. Anybody can do that. Anybody and you even can buy said that was more impactful than winning a Super way Bowl. Way more impactful. Way more. It had because that was winning a Super Bowl is like a childhood dream, but it was also still my job. You know what I mean? Interesting. Like it, there's different. There's different passions, right? Where it's like it, the football became like this obsessed, have to succeed, pressure driven, yep. high anxiety, high stress, like environment. A job. But hunting. A job is like. It can be high stress. It yeah. can be high anxiety, but that's on you to make it that way. If you make it, you make you get what you put into it, right? Yeah. So if you put pressure on yourself to get to get a kill, you're gonna feel that pressure, and it's probably gonna make it so you don't even really enjoy it, right? Yeah. yeah. But if you go into it thinking like, man, it'd be cool to just you know see an elk, you know, that's how I looked at it. I was like, man, it's gonna be cool just to be hear a bugle. To me, my goal was just to hear a bugling elk. Which is that never is an awesome obtainable goal right off yeah, the bat. Yeah, I had never even heard one because I did my first hunt. Yeah, I don't, and that's what I want people to know. My first hunt, I did it the right way. I didn't go buy a landowner tag for my first elk hunt. Right. My first elk hunt was over the counter Colorado, sixty miles. Never saw an elk. <laughs> never saw. Never an heard elk. an elk. Really? Never heard one. Ouch. Yeah. That's rough. 60 miles I went. And you still had called the mindset. In, called in two different guys. <laughs> oh, that was nice. You, so you heard kind of what an elk sounds like yeah. a little bit. No, but so you... <laughs> but that was from like a mile. <laughs> <clears throat> so so you had that whole mindset of, all right, next year. Next year, I'm going to... No, no, no. Next week. Next week. <laughs> it was the next week after. Week. Okay. Because my wife had gifted me that tag. Sweet. But I felt... Which there's nothing I felt like I had with. to cut. I felt like I had to cut my teeth the right way gotcha. right like i had to suffer first before i put myself in that situation gotcha gotcha so like it made me appreciate that hunt even more because it was so i knew how hard it was and i knew yeah. how how like lucky i was 
and how blessed I, honestly, it's like I was blessed. Oh yeah. Cause yeah. most guys are not going to get to experience that New Mexico, what that's like. Yeah. Because yeah. it's expensive. It's really expensive. It is expensive, but at the same time as they could, it's still obtainable for you still maybe it. not that hunt, but it, it's obtainable. Have your Colorado hunt be epic. Oh yeah. You know, it's just, and spots. I still had it's just, so much you know, fun on that hunt. Honestly, the funnest hunts that I've been on this last, these last two years are hunts that I, like, I didn't even kill anything. Yeah. Like this last bear hunt I did with, uh, with Josh Smith and Montana knife company. Yeah. I had a, I had a blast. Yeah. And we didn't kill anything. Didn't kill anything. But in the same thing with that elk hunt, I made a new friend there. Like my buddy, my buddy, Adam, we became really good friends. He was calling for me and we became really good friends, man. And we had a blast. Like we were sleeping in a, um, you know, sleeping in, uh, in one of those sprinter vans. Oh, nice. I rented a sprinter van. We were just sleeping in that at the trailhead. You know, three guys in there just like, you know. Just three dudes in a sprinter. Yeah, just three dudes in a sprinter, you know. We're just <laughs> like, and I did, I had a, an absolute blast. And yeah. that's where I was like, okay, this is so perfect for me coming out of the NFL because the camaraderie of a, an elk camp, this is the way we act here and bust each other's balls the whole time. Yeah. That's an NFL locker room. Yeah. It's no different from a high school locker room, dude. We're all playing same the thing. same game that we played when we were kids. And it's, and it's the same thing with the hunting. But it's even more attainable to the average Joe. Yeah. To the guy that, the guy that you know, you know he's a he's a plumber, you know, and he's like, man, you know, I can't wait to go hunt. Well, guess what, dude? When I was playing in the league, you know, all I could think about was in September, hunting, hunting elk. What you're missing out on? What right I'm now. missing out on? Yeah. yeah. You know, it wasn't like what I, you know, and that that may be my only regret is I didn't live in the moment enough. I was always like working towards that end goal. Yeah. You know, because I knew when I got done, I was like, I just want to, I want to be able to hunt elk so bad. Yeah. Because the only hunting I got to do during the season was, or after the, was after the season, I'd go home to Ohio and shoot the first whitetail that walked by me because I only had like three days left in the season. and Just got to do it. You know, just got to, you know, I just want to do it. So I'm doing it. And, sure. Or going down to uh, like a high fence somewhere in, you know, Florida or Texas and yep. doing pigs and stuff like that. And it was That like, way you're getting in reps too. At you're least still, getting, yeah. you know, getting a shoot. But 100%. I did get to hunt a lot of whitetail in Baltimore during COVID. That's what you're saying. I killed 16 deer the one year. That, because you, I had depredation tags. And that's legal, right? Yeah. That's crazy to me. Like that many animals. Well, it's because they, they're, they're like rats. <laughs> they're honestly like rats there. Are they? They're, they're everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, and they just will destroy a, a soybean field. Oh, okay. So like a four or five acre soybean field will just be destroyed. So they're wanting to get them gone. Because they'll be, you'll, you'll go by at night and pull your truck in and there'll be 70 deer, 70, 80 deer out in this field. In one field. In one field, dude. It was uh, unreal. And then like three bucks out there with them. So it's like, you got to manage you your dough. You got to manage your dough. And yeah. plus it's good for them because you're, you're cutting back on disease and absolutely blue tongue and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. So. No, yeah. it's crazy how the crossover and, and as far as like listening just in the last little bit that we're talking about, as far as like, I know this year I have really decided I implement more as like, like this morning, right? I was frustrated. We haven't seen a bear all morning. Uh, it's just been the last two days. We've only seen one bear and to tell, you know, people like listening to this, like that's just not normal for, for here. And obviously it's a different time of year that I usually hunt in, but there's still animals around and anyway, but what I'm getting to, as far as it's like just sitting there this morning and being like, man, there's these birds out in front of us, right? There's these birds on this limb. And I'm like, there's, it's one of them's pretty yellow and red. And I'm just like, I, I need to, I find myself more now that I'm getting older, the older I get, it's just like really reflect on 
that's cool. Like, take all this in. Like, yeah. take We goal. get to do this. We get to do this. Not only that, it's just like, you're right. It's not about killing something. Although, yeah, it is. We'd be lying to ourselves if we didn't say, that's what I'm here for. I'm here. Yeah, I'm here to kill a bear. You know what I mean? You yes. know, I'm here to, I'm here to yes. take a bear. And, uh, you know, even, you know, you, you actually said something that really, you know, struck a chord with me because I've spent so much time, like, you know, I, I've always considered myself somebody didn't care what other people thought. Yeah. But then you catch yourself doing it, right? So I was like, you know, I think that like the rifle hunting thing is something I really want to introduce into my, into my show Explore. and into what I do because I start thinking about it. And I'm like, why, why am I, why do I love only doing it with a bow? I've never killed anything with a rifle. Yeah. So no. how would I know unless how I try, it, right? And I think that's like a pride thing. Like I'm a bow hunter. Oh, you know? I think so. Yeah. Ugh. But like, and then I, and then I'll go out and I'll preach like, Hey, I feel a duty as like my plat with my platform to bring hunters together as conservationists to show that like we are United, United front. Yeah. But then I'm not willing to try the other ways that people like to hunt. Right. That's the other 80% of people. The, yeah. The, mean, most like people can't, yeah. dude, most people, most people just can't get out and bow hunt right? right they just can't do it yeah like yeah they might they, it's not it's it's so hard to do anyways on your body and stuff but like you know what what especially older guys like once you get past 45 50 years old yeah do you really want to go out there and and bow hunt all the time i'll tell you derek when yeah, i in started September it's fun but after that wouldn't as you know we grew up bow hunting that's all i did that's yeah all i mean we've killed over our I, I lots of elk on film with bow and arrow right and it wasn't until just the last couple few years that I've started getting into rifle hunting. And I'll be totally honest with you, like my bow hunting realm, I, I, I felt like a decent hunter and we could get it done and, and, and kill elk and, and deer or whatever with a bow and arrow. But it wasn't until I drew this, uh, I drew a big tag in Oregon here uh, two years ago and I, it was a rifle tag and I had 18 points that I burned instead of doing it on a bow tag i did it on a rifle tag because i wanted to go and experience that and see what that was like what it was i've never passed up a bull before with a bow and arrow i've never passed up if it's a legal bull i was going to shoot it and um and be happy super happy with it and i passed up numerous bulls i got to watch the elk do what they do instead of being like okay there's one i gotta shoot i gotta get him i gotta get him you know and do all this i got to i got i got snowed out never done that archery hunting i got fogged out to where i couldn't see the bull and he's down there and he was actually bugling giant 340 inch seven by seven and he was right there i couldn't kill him because I, there was so foggy, you could only see 30 yards. <laughs> so, I mean, I've never done that bow hunting, right? I mean, all these new things that I'm like really getting in tune to, that's like, it made me a well-rounded, way better hunter. Yeah. Way better hunter because I'm seeing not just bow hunting, not just puffing the wind. Okay, let's get up wind. Let's figure out, get on his level. Let's tell him what he wants to hear and shoot him. It's all these different things that come into effect. And it's just like, it's it's well-rounded me in hunting so much more. So yeah, much more. yeah. I think I think it just... If you're gonna preach it, you gotta kind of yeah do it, right? And it's the whole thing is like, especially our our preaching is anybody can do it, right? Yeah. Like you said, not everybody can just go pick up a 70 pound bow and go traipse through the woods and shoot an elk on <laughs> public land. It just it just you, can't it just do doesn't it. happen. It just doesn't happen. But they can it's go. It's hard for it, anybody. Yeah. You know, so, let alone somebody with any kind of disability. Anybody exactly. with like 
a bad hip or a bad knee or yeah you know or a bad shoulder some guys can't pull the bow back because their shoulders are tore up you know who knows what kind of work they did for a living you know think about you if you didn't have the stem you know whatever you did with your left arm you may not be able to draw yeah dude like you could you see my elbow doesn't go all the way straight still like yeah no, you, you know, know like, what I mean? Like, that could have been you. It could, I could have been like, oh, you know, I can only pull 40 pounds, you Right, know? or whatever. That's not enough. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's different limitations, and it's just like, because I was you. I, I And I'm not saying in a, in a bad way. It's just like, it was all bow or nothing at all. Yeah. I had to shoot it with a bow or else I wasn't hunting it. And then it was just like, well, there's so many cool tags out there that are muzzleloader tags, rifle tags, all these different things. I'm like, man, am I missing out on You're things? You're missing out on so many all opportunities. All seasons. And I've started to realize that, that, you know, and especially now that I'm working with SIG, you know, like. Right now, if you just keep on going the way that I went for years, you hunt in September, and then you get probably your whitetail in the rut, maybe. I don't know how that season works, but that's yeah. your season, you know. Yeah, September, November. Whereas I pick up a rifle, and I can go to Colorado last year in November. I can go, I'm going to Alaska this year. Uh, I, all these different places because they have seasons and tags that are available. Yeah. for. So I can extend my season from September to pretty much the end of December. Yeah. And just, you know, picking up a different weapon, you know. Which it just changes cool. the game for you. And it and it's like, you know, even just looking at some of the country out here, it's like, okay, is it even stockable? We if talked we see about that this bear, morning. Yeah, if we see a bear in there, yeah. I'm sitting there looking at it, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know if it's even stockable. How I are don't we going to do How that? do I get down there quiet? Yeah, yeah. Like, how do I even make, without just, I mean, I'm probably going to be sliding the whole way down there. Right. And crashing through uh, blue or blackberry, blackberry bushes and getting <laughs> thorns, rip, you know, ripping myself up with thorns. And I'll try it. That was when, he, when you called me and I just want to do it with the boat, right? And I said, okay, cool. I said, but have you ever been out here? And you're like, nope. Nope. I'm like, all right, come on out. Let's just try this. Let's you're like, we yeah, do. we might be able to. Maybe. I don't know. And we but still it, we still might. We're going to try, we're gonna right? Try. But it's like, that's hey, if, if, and that's the, where I'm like, hey, look, like, are people going to, is it more realistic for me to like be a bonehead and be hard-headed and be like, I'm only doing it with a bow. Or Correct. is it more realistic? Be like, I can do it with a bow, but if I see a bear in a position there, I can only shoot him with a rifle, I'm pulling the rifle out. Yeah. Like, yeah. let's go ahead and pull the rifle out because that's more realistic to what people are doing. And that's not meaning you're less of a man. That's not meaning you're whatever it may be. You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't mean Yeah, anything. and if somebody wants to judge me on that, then go have, ahead. Have fun. Go have ahead, fun. man. They're going to judge you on something anyway. Yeah, you're going to judge me on something. <laughs> hey, somebody great told me once, he said, I got, man, I got 10 haters. Tomorrow I'm trying to have 11. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a fact? Too? Yeah. And it's if we care about if, it. If nobody's hating on you, are you even doing anything? Are you doing like, it right? Are you doing anything? No. Trevor says, never met no, a hater is doing better than me. No, my brother always said there's no such thing as bad publicity. Yeah. It's all publicity. So, oh man. But dude, I really appreciate you coming on here and talking and, uh, guys, we're going to try to do another one, uh, one of these podcasts as well with Derek, um, before this is all done, I want to talk a little bit, maybe entrepreneurship, something like that. Yeah. I think I mean, that'd be fun to talk about. I think know? it'd be really, really fun. And to kind of bounce ideas of what, what experiences that we both had, I guess, you know? Yeah. And I also, I want to talk about, cause we've been, you know, talking about like all the cool ways that we can collab Yeah, and you know, ways that we can like make the, make the viewers feel like they're actually a part of what we got going. Right? 100%. So if there's a way to like, if we get in an area where we can live stream, yeah. Like our campsite or our, our conversations and stuff like that. Like I think, and it's, and it's genuine, it's unedited, uncut, like the real thing, the real, real. Yeah. Like, cause that's what people want to see, you know? So like, if there's a way for us to do that and then, 
you know, we've talked all kinds of stuff. So I think we can we can do another Let's episode do later. Hopefully, we got a bear down. We will. We will. <laughs> we'll get Trevor and Steve or something in there too, and we'll we'll yeah. It, it, that, you know how much fun that would be? Oh, dude, it would be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so much fun. Poking fun. Poking fun. Well, thank you, brother. I really, really appreciate this, man. It's, uh, it means a lot, man. Of, of course, man. I really appreciate you having me out here because, like I said, you guys inspired me to do what I'm doing now. That's great. And that was like, I should. you showed me that there is a way to do it. Oh, and yeah. you showed me the right, you're showing me the right way. And, you know, even my wife said, she was like, hey, make sure you're like learning from these guys, you know? <laughs> Like ask them questions, like learn, right? You know? And that's right. so that's why I'm always like asking, oh, dude, little questions. Not because I'm going to go poach your ideas or anything, but it's like I'm always, to me, I'm always thinking ways we could work together. You know, Absolutely. how can we do it together? Absolutely. And that's how this industry needs to be more of more. That's of what's cool about the industry. It's just like I help you, you help me. We build together. You know, exactly. It's not. It should never be against each other. It never should be. Mm. Well, that was my idea. It should be. Let's just make good ideas together. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah. And, and I hope to down the road, like we've been talking off uh, off air, you know, about some ideas, collaborative stuff, and everything, guys. So expect that to come. Some cool stuff. But um, but yeah, it's uh, man. I just really enjoyed being around you. Yeah. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. All right, guys. Till the next one. <laughs>